Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Hey everyone, it's Amelia here. Just wanted to pop on really quick and let you know that Grace and I are going to be hosting a free 60-minute webinar on how to get started investing with midterm rentals. We're so excited to bring you this live training. It's going to be on November 14th at 7 p.m. Central Time, Monday, November 14th at 7 p.m. Central. And the topics we're going to cover are how to identify a midterm rental market, how to list and onboard new tenants, and how to furnish a midterm rental without breaking the bank. We're so excited to save your seat in this free webinar webinar, go to womeninvestinrealestate.com slash training to sign up today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 19 of Wire Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about creative financing, specifically the difference between three main types of creative financing, seller financing, rat mortgage, and sub two. Very exciting episode. Again, questions we get asked a lot are about creative financing. I think especially Grace, because you were pretty deep in the creative financing world for a while. Yes. Um, So let's start out by talking about seller financing. And we've both done seller. Have you done a seller finance deal? I have done a seller finance deal and we're putting together a seller finance deal on the manufacturing business that we're buying, which I don't even think that I have talked on this podcast about. So we'll have to dive into that for the next BTS episode. Yeah. Anyways, I have done one seller finance deal. And before we dive into what seller finance is, I want to do give you guys one definition. When you hear the word creative finance, that is an umbrella term for seller finance, rat mortgage, sub to rent to own, owner finance, owner carry, lease sandwich, all those words are under the realm of creative financing. And seller financing, I think gets confusing because a lot of people, including myself, incorrectly use seller financing as the umbrella term. I do that all the time. (laughs) But actually, seller finance is a very specific type of creative finance. It is when the seller lets a buyer buy them out over time and the property has no debt. That's the key, no debt. So Amelia, why don't you give a rundown on the triplex that you are seller, that you're buying on seller finance? I've actually purchased two. This is my second triplex now that I purchased on seller finance. Okay, then actually give both of them. They are both very similar in the structure. They were both owned by owners, obviously, that had had them for many, many years, Old two old men, and they had no mortgages on the property. So I presented them with the idea of seller financing where I would put a 20% down payment on the property with a term of five years, and I would have them paid off in full within five years. In the meantime, my plan was to burr them out. So basically, I would buy them and fix them up and then have them rented out so I could pay them off in full within a year. If I didn't have them paid off in full within a year, every year of the five-year term, I would just pay them one lump sum chunk of 20%. So Mm -hmm. the down payment was 20%. It was five equal payments, basically, so of what I purchased property for. So they both, I purchased them for around $50,000 each. So to make math easy, $10,000 down every year, I'd pay them 
a lump sum of $10,000. But my plan was never to pay them yearly. It was to refinance out of that, pay them off completely in full, and then just have the bank loan on the property. And the first property, I think we did interest rate of like one or two percent like basically negligible it didn't really matter and then the second we it was zero percent he tried to come back and say that we needed to add interest but I was like well the roof quote we got was gonna is ten thousand dollars more than we had budgeted so you can either lower your interest <laughs> yeah I said you can either lower your price by ten thousand dollars or I mean or what or we can add one or two percent interest which would equate to literally nothing over the course of the year and a half that we would maybe have the loan with them. And so he was like, oh, no, that's all right. We'll just keep it as is. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. So that's kind of how that went. The first one was a perfect burr. So we we were able to get back out. So say we bought it for 50. We put about 30, 35 in the rehab and we were able to refinance out. I think it appraised for like 110 or 115. So we took out 80% of that and got back all of our initial purchase price plus the rehab. And then we're currently in the middle of rehab on the second one, but I think it's going to be pretty close to a perfect burr for that one as well. Remind me what you're going to put into that for rehab and what the ARV is. Well, the roof alone was 26000 So that was about our whole budget. No, I'm just kidding. But that was a big chunk. I think we'll probably end up spending around forty to fifty, And I'm really bad at like exact budgets because to me in the grand scheme of things, like $10,000 isn't that much just because we're using a line of credit and it's through a bank. So like there's a whole lot that goes into it. To me, it's not worth like the minutia on these littler projects. I mean, we purchased it for $50,000. So <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? But also the reason you can say that is because you have the experience. So if That's you're a true. newbie, you can't just say, oh, I didn't really do the exact number. No, I would never tell a newbie to do that. But I'm just saying for me personally, like I'm not the best person to ask on rehab budgets, like never have been, never will be. But also um, I think that it will probably appraise for around like 130 when we're done. Wow. <laughs> and I'm really excited because we're going to do Airbnb in one of the one bedrooms, if not two of the one bedrooms. So it's in a small town too, you guys. It's in a town of 50 or sorry, 5,000 people. So I'm really curious to see how those Airbnbs do, but more to come on like a behind the scenes episode on that, I think. Yeah. And I actually have uh, some thoughts on small town Airbnb that I was just thinking about today that we'll have to put in that episode. But cool. okay. So you're going to, you bought it for 30. You're going to put right or 50, you 50, bought it for 50. You think yeah. you're going to put in 40. So that's 90. If you get 80% of that burr at 130, then that's 104. So yeah, you're, you've definitely got some room to make a perfect burr. That's exciting. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm like, even if we end up spending 50 on the rehab, so we're all in at 100, we're still good. Like we're still good by 4,000. So not super concerned about that number, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to have it done. It'll be, it's going to be like a fun little project. Yeah. Well, I think we should dive into the seller finance deal that I've done because it was structured a bit differently and probably in a way that would be more clear to people who don't really understand seller financing. So so mine's kind of convoluted, but it it was unconventional, but it was because I knew that I was immediately going to have it refinanced within a year. So I wasn't so concerned with the terms. 
So typically with seller financing, you're going to have a down payment, a purchase price, a monthly payment and or interest rate, and then a term length. So one project I did, I bought for 70,000. I put no money down, but I paid for their closing costs so that they didn't have to come out of pocket, the sellers. We negotiated a $300 payment of 0% interest. So it's 100% principal over 10 years. So over 10 years, I think it's 34,000 that I will have paid them, either 36 or 34,000, 36,000. So I'll have 34 grand left at 10 years to pay them off. But in 10 years, that $70,000 property, you know, is going to double or whatever. So I can either sell to pay it off. I can refinance the property to pay it off, or I can pay it off with cash that I have. So I have another nine years on that seller financed loan. So that was probably one of the best deals that I've ever done. I'm very excited about that one. Love it. Yeah, that's much more clear with the terms. I love seller. I honestly, I love seller financing. I think it's the best. You don't have to go through like bank approval. Right. It can be, it can be quicker to close. You can mm-hmm. really negotiate good terms, especially right now with interest rates going up. And you can negotiate anything. I tell people you can negotiate that your monthly payments are in butter. I don't know. Like you can negotiate <laughs> anything because there's no bank that's saying these are the bottom terms. You can like Amelia she negotiated, well, let's just do five installments of 10,000, 10,000, 10,000 for five years. It can be however you want it, which is what is so nice because you can really warp the terms to benefit both you and the seller. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. One of the things that you can negotiate is if they have, I don't know, they have, you know, nice, they have cars that you want to use for scrap on the property. You can say you have to leave those cars because I want the money from them. Or like in one of mine, like they had already bought like five or 10 years ago all the new cabinets and doors and stuff for the property that I purchased. And so I made sure in the negotiations that like that was included in the sale. They had to leave all of that building material. So like you can be super creative with anything in real estate really. We're going to move on to the second definition strategy of creative financing, which is called a rep mortgage. And this is also something that both Amelia and I have experience with. So a rep mortgage is think of it as a seller finance deal, but there is debt on the property and you are taking your mortgage and wrapping it around the existing debt. So an example of that would be, I bought a property that had a $95,000 mortgage on it. I bought it for 105. So that 105 mortgage quote wraps around that initial mortgage and whatever the difference is between the mortgage debt and my purchase price is the equity that the owner has. So just like seller financing, it's going to have a purchase price, a down payment, a monthly payment, and a specific term length. And the only reason I have stumbled into a wrap mortgage is because Grace and I partnered on a deal where we did a wrap mortgage together. And this is a fun story. I think we should tell the story about why this seller was open to a wrap mortgage. Go ahead. Every seller is going to have a different situation. So this was basically my best friend's mom. And she knew that I bought properties, obviously. And I told her like, hey, when you're ready to sell your house, like I'll buy it from you. And so when she was ready to sell, she contacted me, blah, blah, blah. Well, basically, like we wanted to figure out a way to buy it without any money down because the plan was to fix it up and either flip it or burr it or something, you know, we were going to be able to pay her off. So and the reason why she 
wanted to sell off market was because she didn't want to have to go through the effort of listing it with a realtor, having people walk through it, cleaning it up. You know, having all pictures of, of her home online for the world to see. Exactly. And it did need some repairs. So she also knew that like if she sold it on the market, likely they they would be asking for certain repairs to be done or whatever the case may be. So she wanted literally the easiest op like the easiest option. And so we presented her with the wrap mortgage option. And I think was our term to pay her back within a year or two years. It was one year because we initially thought we were gonna flip do a minor flip, like just paint slap some paint and carpet in. Yes. And so we only needed one year to do that. Yes. And which was great for her. And she also didn't really need the money immediately. Like she didn't need the full payment for the property or whatever. So she was good with a one year term. Right. This specific um, lady was actually renting. So she really did not need that equity piece. Right. She was going to move out and she moved out and went and rented an apartment in a bigger city. Yeah. So that's how we worked that deal. We didn't make any extra payments to her. We just paid the mortgage and the insurance. And then we sold it again to a different LLC that I own. And then we paid her off in full. And now I have that property as a rental in my portfolio. Yeah. So at that second sale, that second closing table, that's when that seller got her piece of equity, which I don't know was it like 10 grand or 20 grand or something? Yeah, it wasn't very much, but, but I mean, 10 grand though. I mean, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. I would not be mad if you sent me a 10K check in the mail today, Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> so that is where the rat mortgage comes in, where you come in, you take over their existing debt, you make those payments and possibly payments on top of that to the seller for their equity piece. And then you down the line, sell it or keep it or whatever it is. And possibly then that's when the seller gets their equity. So in the situation where we just talked about, we did not make extra payments to the seller for her equity. She got it at the second closing table because we only had a one year term. So we basically told her, we'll give you this price, but in one year. Exactly. And she was like, sure. And we said, okay, so, and we'll make your mortgage payments until that year. And obviously we bought it. We didn't just make mortgage payments on somebody's house. Like we owned it. Right. But another example I have is where I took over somebody's $95,000 mortgage with a $105,000 mortgage. And I pay her that 10K equity out with $150 payments every month. So once that 150 runs out or totals 10K, those payments will stop. And I still have her initial loan that I'm paying on because we have a five or 10 year term. I can't quite remember. Hopefully yeah. that's not too confusing. It can be a lot. And this is just an introductory episode and give you a little bit of background as to how we've done it so that maybe that helps you understand how you could structure it. And the other thing with both of these two types of deals is there's a lot of attorney paperwork that goes into it, specifically a promissory note and a mortgage. And that brings us to our third and final creative financing strategy that we're going to talk about today. And that is sub two. And I think sub two is probably the most like buzzword of the three that you hear, like you always hear about sub two, sub two. And sub two is essentially the same thing as a rat mortgage, except for you're not giving the seller any equity and you're not preparing any documents that show that you are owning the house like a mortgage. So let me explain that. If you take over somebody's house on sub two, it basically means you're buying the house subject to the existing loan. So you're just taking over their loan. Let's say it's the $95,000 loan I talked about, which is a $600 payment. You take it over at $95,000 in the $600 payment. 
the seller basically gets to walk away with their hands clean. Maybe they had a super distressed property. Maybe they moved out of the house three years ago and they've making been making two mortgage payments and they're just ready to be done. For whatever reason, they're willing to let you take over their mortgage and just walk away. The difference is that you don't draw up a mortgage agreement that basically says, Grace bought Amelia's house at this on this date, but for this much money for this many years. And that mortgage document is what protects the seller down the line if they decide to go get another house in terms of DTI. DTI is the debt to income ratio, and it is what a bank uses to understand if you're worthy of receiving more debt. So if a, somebody sells their house on sub two and they go to a bank and they try to get another loan, the bank is going to be like, wait, you have this house down the road that you're still paying on and it's not bringing in any income. And they don't have a way to show that somebody has taken over that debt. If it's a wrap mortgage, there is a mortgage document that lays that out and the seller can show that document to the bank and the bank should be able to basically dismiss that DTI piece. What do you yeah. think, Amelia? What do you have to I, add? That's a lot. <laughs> I think that's a good, you yeah, know, no, that's a really good way to put it. That's really the only difference is that the seller isn't protected with sub two for, for the DTI. Right, so. because it's subject to the existing mortgage. And there's just really no official fancy paperwork laying that out. Yep. And this is, this is a huge buzzword right now. And I really have mixed feelings on it if I'm going to be like completely 100 about it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's not a strategy that I am interested in pursuing. Yeah, I think that it's a strategy that can be great for not having to come up with a lot of money out of pocket, but it's really hard to execute on because everybody wants to sell their home now for full price. Nobody wants to wait and do sub two in their perfect world. So you face a lot of rejection and have to talk to a lot of people in order to find these types of deals. Yeah, it's harder than it seems. It's harder than mm-hmm. some of the people, the gurus make it seem. Yeah, and so to wrap it up, I'm gonna give another quick summary Creative finance is the umbrella term. Seller finance is when a seller sells a debt-free property and the buyer pays them back over time. A wrap mortgage is the same thing. However, there's an existing piece of debt that the buyer takes over and they pay it back over time. And then sub two is the same thing as a wrap mortgage, except for there's no mortgage documents that protect the seller from DTI requirements. Mm -hmm. How is that, Amelia? perfecto. Okay. Well, we wish you luck. If you ever have any creative financing questions, email us, DM us on Instagram, and we'll try to get back to you. And we wish you luck if you're trying to find a creative finance deal out there. Bye guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.